ye also ought to wash one another's feet. And here is that tradition that developed in some cases of foot washing. Now, there are certain uh, churches, some sects and groups of people who actually practice this in their churches today. And they take this in a very literal manner that we should do as Jesus did on a literal basis, wash one another's feet. Now, I'll point out that there's never another reference to this in the book of Acts, Romans, the whole uh, Gospels, right through to Revelation. You have not one more account in the New Testament of foot washing in the early church. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. We're turning to 1 Peter today. We're turning to being clothed with humility. And uh, we have some messages in song as well. But firstly, to the Psalm 20. This psalm has been called the national anthem fitted to be sung at the outbreak of war. And there are eight causes for hope in this psalm which are to be turned into prayer. The first one you'll find is, The Lord hear thee. That's verse 1, The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. In this Hebrew term, to hear is synonymous with answer. It was used in the schoolroom where students were to pay attention. We learn that our prayers are to call out for God's attention to our troubles. The prayer warrior does not presume on God's omniscience. We don't just say, Well, God knows everything, but rather, bring it to God's attention. And his first hope is to spread his need before the Lord and cry out in desperation for God to hear, knowing that God's attention is equal to his intervention. God is never an observer to his work without being a deliverer. God's hearing was much in the mind of the psalmist in this Psalm 20. He said this in verse 1, The Lord hear thee. And in verse 6, Now I know that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him. And then in verse 9, Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call. So the Christian is to get the ear of God, and you will soon have the victory. So that's number one of the eight causes for hope in this psalm. Number two, the name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. God's name is his whole person. It is to stand behind all of his character, his majesty, and his power. Jacob is associated with God as a personal defender. Many times Jacob was in trouble, and each time he cried out, God defended him. The night of wrestling with the angel of the Lord stands out in the night God heard and reigned in the heart of Jacob. Let us wrestle in prayer for our God to rise up as our defender. The Hebrew term means set thee on a high hill. The Christian is untouchable when dwelling in God's hill, and prayer is the path to this place of safety. Number three, verse two, send thee help from the sanctuary. The source of help is the Holy of Holies. 
Link this with, He will hear thee from his holy heaven. No one will fail to pray who knows the true source of strength. God governs the world from his holy throne. Israel had rest from the Philistines all the days of Samuel while he was their high priest. The church of the Lord Jesus needs Samuels today who will see God for spiritual power over her enemies. Will you be that prayer warrior? Will you be that one who will bend the knee and plead with God and find strength and help from the sanctuary? This is the exhortation, indeed the a very a plea of God in his word, that we run to the sanctuary of God to find our help. And then strengthen thee out of Zion. This is number four. Zion was Jerusalem, the place of God's dwelling, after the Ark of the Covenant rested there. The sanctuary is the source of true strength. While men have power with God, they will know power with men. There is a strength of soul and spirit that enables feeble flesh. This strength means to be held up. Aaron and Hur held up the arms of Moses in prayer, and thereby Israel was helped. More is wrought by prayer than any man will ever know. Lord Tennyson's poem says, Pray for my soul. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Wherefore, let thy voice rise like a fountain for me day and night. For what are people better than sheep or goats that nourish a blind life within the brain? If, knowing God, they lift not hands of prayer, both for themselves and those who call them friends. For so the whole round earth is every way bound by gold chains about the feet of God. Here is the prayer of the Christian. Remember thee out of Zion. Let's just lift up our hearts to the Lord together. Father, we thank Thee for the opportunity to come to the throne of grace today. Lord, we thank Thee for the fellowship that we have with Thee and for the answers that we may fully expect because You do sit upon the throne, You love to hear prayer, and You take delight in answering. And we call upon Your name today to answer the prayers of Your people. Lord, we have many needs, and we look to Thee to intervene in mighty grace. Lord, rise up. Come to the help of thy people in thy church, in our homes, in our hearts, and may glory be brought to your name today. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. So we have firstly here an example to follow. Now you're not asked to do anything that the elder is not asked to do. 
And we're back to that little statement. This exhortation is to the young, and it is to the new believer and the every believer. But you're not asked to do something that elders are not asked to do. Likewise, it says, and you are to follow good leadership. You are to take your cue from those who walk uh, in the walk of humility. Now, the term clothed, when you look up this word, you will discover that it refers to the apron of a slave. This is the unique and, uh, and wonderful uh, background of this very word. And the man that wore this apron was declaring that he was a slave in the home, on the farm, and he therefore walked differently. And when you were a slave under the mastery of your owner, uh, and you wore this particular apron, you never ran in front of your master. You took the lower position. You never took the high seat at the table. You took the lowest seat. You waited for the instruction to step forward rather than you making the call and setting the agenda. The whole life of the slave to be clothed with humility was the mark of his station in life. Now, Peter tells these Christians that they're to put on that apron of a slave in attitude. That's how they're to live and follow through in their Christian lives. Now, some early Christians, they sold themselves to be slaves that they might preach to those in bondage. Could you imagine loving the Lord so much, loving the souls of men so much that they were willing not only to wear the apron of a slave, but to take the station of a slave that they may go and preach the gospel to their fellow men. We read likewise of the Moravians in the 1500s, 1600s, when they were going across to new parts of the world. There were Moravian Christians, the only opportunity they had to witness, send the gospel to slaves, was to become slaves themselves. Now that surely is a tremendous example of becoming a missionary. A missionary needs to be clothed with humility. Now, we think of our Lord Jesus himself, who may, may call the, the great missionary, who left heaven's glory and came down to this world. What did he do? He entered into this world. He became a bond slave. He took the station of a servant that he might serve the church and those whom he would save. Now, another thing you will note about the Lord Jesus is that he was willing to wash the disciples' feet. And if you turn back to John chapter 13, uh, this is a most interesting event where the Lord, he took the servant's apron, he took the towel, the water, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Chapter John 13 and verse 4. He riseth from supper and led aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. So you can see 
Our Lord was clothed in humility. You could say that literally. But it was a mark of his whole ministry. And after that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And it would appear from the uh, narrative here that he just went around the circle in the room, washing feet after feet. Then he cometh to Simon Peter. And isn't it remarkable that uh, this record is for us? And Peter is the very one in First Peter uh, writing about this clothed in humility. Perhaps it's right here that Peter got the very picture in his mind of the Lord wearing the towel with the pitcher of water and coming to wash the disciples' feet, even his. And you'll notice his surprise in verse 6 of John 13. Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Lord, are you going to stoop so low? Are you going to actually take that towel and begin washing my feet? Now, it's very interesting how the Lord responded to that and answered. Jesus entered and said unto him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And there are many situations in the Christian life. It's like that. We don't have all the answers at the time. We don't understand it from beginning to end at the time. But it will be made clear. And perhaps by the time Peter got to write this epistle, First Peter, he knew. Oh, yes, he knew then. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Can you see the petulance of Peter? Can you see the swinging back and forth like a pendulum? Uh, at one point, he, he's almost objecting to having his feet washed. And then when the Lord kindly rebukes him and instructs him, and he says, well, Lord, don't just wash my feet, wash my hands and my head. He seems to be the mixed up kid wondering what is right and what is wrong. The Lord instructs him. Now, we just want to read on down these verses because it's going to guide us in our understanding of what it is to be clothed in humility. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not to save to wash his feet but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Now, obviously, he's talking about Judas. Do you think that Jesus washed Judas' feet? Do you think the Lord washed the feet of Judas? I think he may well have done. What humility. Knowing the plan of attack in the heart of Judas, knowing that he was the son of perdition, knowing that he was the one with the dagger, ready to betray the Son of God into the Pharisees for a lousy 30 pieces of silver. And all the while he stooped to wash his feet. What does it mean to be clothed in humility, to take the servant's apron and stoop to the most menial task? It was the Lord Jesus who taught us to love our enemies, and to 
Bless those who despitefully use us. And here is the Lord demonstrating this in such an amazing way. Then verse 12, So after he had washed their feet, he had taken his garments and was set down again. He said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. And here is that tradition that developed in some cases of foot washing. Now, there are certain uh, churches, some sects and groups of people who actually practice this in their churches today. And they take this in a very literal manner that we should do as Jesus did on a literal basis, wash one another's feet. Now, I'll point out that there's never another reference to this in the book of Acts, Romans, the whole uh, Gospels, right through to Revelation. You have not one more account in the New Testament of foot washing in the early church. What was the Lord Jesus saying to these people? That they were to do this at every service, every opportunity, take a towel and wash one another's feet? No, he said in verse 15, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done unto you. Verily the servant, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. And so we have the Lord teaching a vital, vital lesson what it means to be clothed in humility. What does it mean? It means that you and I submit one to another, that we serve one another, and we are to do this for the Lord. Someone said, what is the perfect sketch of the perfect Christian? The perfect sketch of the perfect Christian is the king as the doorman, or the prince feeding the lambs, or better still, the master washing the disciples' feet. All of these things are an example to us, and we have an example to follow tonight, you and me. And if we are to be true disciples, followers, obedient to the very spirit of humility, we must be willing to serve one another. And back in 1 Peter, you'll notice how Peter applies this. He says in verse 5, be subject one to another. Uh, that means we don't seek to gain higher authority. We don't seek to promote ourselves. Be subject one to another. Uh, Paul mentioned in Philippians 2, esteem one another better than ourselves. This is the example that we are to follow. But it's contrary to our nature. This is so different from the world where it's dog-eat-dog, -dog, climb the corporate ladder by trampling on others. In the church of the Lord Jesus, all men shall know that ye are my disciples when ye love one another. This is the example that we're to follow.
Now, in Peter's letter here, we have also a warning to heed. And that warning is that God resisteth the proud. And what a great warning it is to us tonight. This is a great truth in the world. How many God resisted. I think of that Herod in Acts 12, when he uh, likened himself to a god, and the Lord smote him immediately, and he was eaten with worms. What an immediate, dramatic uh, example was made of him, that God resisteth the proud. You know the account of Pharaoh, uh, the mightiest man in the whole region. And yet when Moses came along with that rod, God humbled him. God resisted him until he, his armies, horses, chariots were floating in the Red Sea. We could speak about Cain. Uh, he would not worship God in the way of Abel. And therefore, God set a mark upon him, banished him. Satan was cast out of heaven and when he lifted up himself in pride against God, he was cast out. God resisteth the proud. Now, that's true with the wicked, but it's also true with Christians who are the children of God. Now, this 1 Peter 5, 5 is actually cited from the book of Proverbs. You might have a little uh, guide margin in your Bible, a little number that will refer to a cross-reference, uh, Proverbs 3.34, and it says, Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace to the lowly. And here is a, a warning to God's people that when we scorn, scoff, become proud, God resists, and he becomes our enemy. We know that was true in King David's life when he was lifted up in pride. Solomon, Hezekiah, God left him to try him to see what was within his heart. And James, in his epistle, he takes this up likewise, and he expands on this whole theme, and he, he talks about humble yourselves under the, the hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. We cannot afford to miss the warnings of the Lord in this. God resisteth, resisteth the proud. Now, we don't want to be fighting God. We don't want to be on the wrong side of God's blessing and finding that we are fighting the omnipotent. Rather, we need to heed this warning. God resisteth the proud. Now, there is here also, if you go down to verse 6, a call to action, the action of humility. And it says right there, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. This is something that we're to do. That's why I call it a call to action. We cannot just be passive in this. We cannot just sit back and say, well, I'm just going to leave it to how, however the current uh, rages and whatever develops, I'll just join in the flow. No, we are to be trendsetters. You know what a trendsetter is? Someone who adjusts attitudes, who sets the course, and we are to actively 
humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We need an attitude of service. Now, how can we do this in real practical terms as a Christian? Let me give you just a few pointers. Firstly, mingle with the elderly and the mature Christian. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence. listening to Let the Bible Speak, and this is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us through the program today. What a concept we have been learning about here today on washing the disciples' feet. I don't think that uh, that's a very uh, easy prospect to be getting the towel out and the water and washing the dust and the mire of your uh, friend's feet. What about those who are in your church. Are you willing to stoop to that level where the Lord Jesus took the apron, the water, and washed his disciples' feet? What a, an example to us that we may be willing to take the lowly position to be of service, to minister to the comfort and need of others. Now, in Bible times, washing feet was really a, a, a tremendous comfort to the pilgrim traveler on the dusty roads with his open sandals, and it was a, a real comfort, a ministry of comfort. You can have a ministry of comfort to saints by entering into their needs and cares and praying for them, just going alongside and saying that you want to be their helper and ask them how their week has been and hear with a listening ear. There's nothing like being a good listener to make you a helper to those in need. So again, thank you for joining with us, and I hope the message of the Lord has been a blessing to your soul. Stay tuned with us now for the following few announcements. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music